Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad that you're here today. How many of you love that Christmas Florida weather out there? Isn't it awesome? You have to get your jacket out or something? Anybody? If you recently moved down from up north, you think we're a bunch of wussies. And uh, we are. Just give yourself a few years and you'll join us. Your blood will thin out and you'll, you know, 50 degree weather day, you'll be like, ooh, I need my jacket. So uh, if you don't like that weather, don't worry. In a few days, it'll be gone. We'll be sweating again. Uh, you know, winter in Florida. Welcome. So glad you're here today. As Tim said, we're starting a new series today called My Story. And uh, before we get into that, let me just tell you, we just came out of my favorite time of the year. I love from Thanksgiving to New Year's. It's just a fascinating time of the year to me. I, I love so many elements of it. And one of those elements is a chance to reconnect with family and friends, to catch up with, with family and friends, see people I haven't seen in a while. And, uh, you know, I've got some family up north, got some family out west, and I, I don't get to see them as often as I would like. And so when, when you think about, for all of us, you, probably you gathered with some family or friends this Christmas season. And when we get together, what are some of the things that we do that are enjoyable? For me, one of those things is we get to share stories. So we get to tell stories of the things that have happened since the last time we've seen each other. And so we tell the funny stories. We tell some of the exciting stories. And we even tell some of the sad stories. And uh, this Christmas season, several of my family members are going through some really sad things in their lives. I told you about my brother-in-law a few weeks ago. Um, he's up in North Carolina. He's in his early 50s. And unless God intervenes, uh, he is waiting days maybe months, to die. Uh, he's just waiting to die. He's got uh, acute leukemia. Uh, his cancer's returned, and um, so he's waiting to die. So imagine like that, that kind of waiting, what that's like, that season of life. And so as I was thinking about that and all the stories that I was able to share and hear over this Christmas season, I thought, you know, isn't that the summary of our lives? Aren't our lives summarized by all those different moments wrapped up into to one life and one story? You know, there are moments of excitement in our lives. There are moments of happiness. And there are moments of sadness. There are moments of pain. There are moments of, of waiting and sorrow. That's the summary of kind of all of our lives. They're all just kind of rolled up into to one life and one story. So like Tim told you this morning, we're going to start this new series. And uh, in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some Bible stories, some Bible characters, and some decisions that these Bible characters made at critical spots in their lives to make their story amazing. So we're going to read some amazing Bible stories in this series. We're going to learn from some amazing Bible characters. And that's what's so great about reading the Bible is, is we can learn from other people's stories. Uh, we can learn from these stories. Even though they've been written many years ago, we can still benefit from these stories. And they can help us in our moments as we're making critical decisions in our own lives. So today, the first story that we're going to look at is the story of Moses. We're going to look at a part of his story. And one of the things I love about reading the Bible is so often I find myself in the story. Um, I don't know about you, but when I get to Genesis chapter 3, and I've started reading uh, through the Bible uh, this year, and, and I've worked my way through Genesis, and I get to Genesis chapter 3, and I read the story of, of Adam and Eve and, and that decision that they made to eat the forbidden fruit, that decision, we look at them and like everybody wants to like give them a piece of our mind, don't we? I mean, we live in a different world if they hadn't made that decision. But I read that story and I quickly find myself in it because I make 
decisions like that as well. Then I get to the story of Moses, which is in the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible, and, and I find myself in that story. There, there's some parts of Moses' story that I really relate to. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to tell you parts of Moses' story, and then I'm going to intertwine parts of my story in that, and it's going to lead to parts of our story as a church. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Exodus chapter 3. If you've got a Bible in, in print, or if you've got a Bible on your phone, feel free to bring that up. If you need a Bible, the Bibles at the back of each seating section are our free gift to you. So please grab one of those and flip to Exodus chapter 3. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about the story of Moses. Moses was born around 1500 B.C., so 1500 years before the life of Christ, and he was born in Egypt. Okay, if you know his story or know parts of his story, you know that Moses was born as a slave. So he was born to a Jewish family, and the Jews at that time had been slaves to the Egyptians for many years. So that's kind of the environment that Moses was born into. And one of the amazing things about Moses' story is that he should have died very shortly after being born. See, while they were in Egypt, the pharaoh of Egypt became very uh, concerned about this growing population in his community. So he looked around and he saw all these uh, Jews growing in population. They're multiplying like rabbits. And he's looking around going like, they are going to soon overtake our entire country. There's going to be more of them than there are of us. And so he came up with a strategy. The strategy was to put them into slavery. So he put them into slavery, and then he had another strategy around the time that Moses was born. And that strategy was, he told all Egyptians, you have full freedom to kill any Jewish baby boy. So he thought that would help control their population. So at that time frame, Moses should have died, but he didn't. God miraculously saved him. And the crazy thing about his story is he ended up being adopted by the Pharaoh that wanted all the baby boys killed. So it's an amazing story. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 2. Well, so for Moses, he didn't grow up like his parents. He didn't grow up like the rest of the Jews. He didn't grow up as a slave. He grew up kind of like a privileged prince of Egypt, but he knew his lineage. He knew he was an Egyptian. So he went out to see his people. As he grew up, he went out to, to interact with his people on a number of occasions, and he saw how hard the Jews had to work. He saw their life in slavery, and it bothered him. It bothered him so much that one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Jewish slave, and he decided to do something about it. He looked around, saw no one was there, no one was looking. He killed the guy. He killed the Egyptian. He buried him in the sand. Well, you can imagine that that news spread. It got around. It finally got to Pharaoh. Pharaoh wanted him killed, and so Moses ran he ran for his life. He ran several hundred miles away to an area known as Midian, and he lived in Midian, hiding for 40 years as a shepherd. He had no intention of ever going back to Egypt until we get to Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. So verse 1 says, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, 
God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So let's pause there for just a moment. If you've ever felt like God isn't aware of what's going on in your life, that God isn't aware of the pain in your life, the sorrow in your life, the the, the moment of, of frustration that you're in, that's not true. God is very aware of every moment that we have. And not only is he aware of those moments, he cares about those moments. He cares what we're doing as we walk through those moments. And so we get to to verse 8, and God decides to intervene. He steps into the Jewish story. He steps into our story. So verse 8 says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. I'm aware of their suffering. I've seen it. So I've come down to rescue them and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the termites, <laughs> just seeing if you were tracking. There's no people group called the termites, just in case you needed to know. The Hivites and the Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go. It's going to be an important word for us today, is go. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Very interesting what God says in verse 8. In verse 8, God says, I've come down to rescue them. And then in verse 10, God said, now go, I'm sending you. One of the amazing things that God does in the world is when he wants to accomplish something significant, he comes to one person or one group of people. He comes and says, listen, I'm going to do something about this, and I am sending you. I I want you to go. I want you to be involved in this story. I want you to be involved in this rescue mission that I have for this person or this group of people. Now, when we think of Moses, um, often, you know, you think of the Ten Commandments, and we think, like, Moses, like, what a guy. He was amazing. But think back through his story. So Moses was born a slave, grew up kind of like a a spoiled uh, prince of Egypt, and then he was a murderer. And he hid for 40 years as a shepherd. Didn't want anybody to know. Didn't want to acknowledge that. Didn't want to look at that. Didn't want to deal with that in his life. And God used Moses. That's the guy that God came to. Everybody else would look at Moses' story at that point and go like, you're a loser. Go stay in Midian. Nobody wants to use you. You're not going to do anything good for God. So if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever felt like you're not good enough, You've you've messed up your life too badly for God to use you. That's not true. God can use anybody. God used Moses to change the story of the Jews. So God came to Moses, and he said, listen, I've I've got this mission, and I want you to be the the front runner. I want you to go and do this, and I'm going to work through you. 
And here's where my story intersects with Moses' story. So verse 11, verse 11, Moses replied, Moses protested to God. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now, let me tell you how my story intersects with this. Um, some of you have heard this before, but for if you're new, this, this may be new information. In my life, there are two things I have never wanted to do. The first is be a pastor, and the second is work at a church. You notice God has a sense of humor. Like, I do both. So in my life, I grew up around the church. And, you know, there's some things I saw in the kind of church world and wasn't real excited about a few of those things. And one of those things for me was when I looked at church, what it felt like was the place of leftovers. Church was the place that you gave God your leftovers. If you had anything left over, you know, after working real hard, if you had any money left over, if you had any time left over, any resources left over, if you gave some of that to God, maybe God would give you an extra star by your name in heaven, you know, it'd be great for you to do that. But the real work of life happened away from the church. I mean, it happened out in the marketplace. I mean, it happened away from the context of, of church family. And so for me, kind of growing up around church world, and I looked at, you know, church options, and I looked at, at marketplace options, I was like, oh, man, I, I want to be active in what, what is happening in the world that's exciting. I want to make an impact. And I don't think that the church is where it's at. And I may be involved in the church. You know, I grew up to, to believe that was important. Um, but this is not the place that I'm going to give my first fruits. This is the place I'm going to give my leftovers. So for me, my goal was to finish my graduate degree in counseling and start a private practice counseling center here in our county. You know, at the time, you know, back then I was working at Halifax Medical Center in their psych department, and there wasn't a whole lot of counseling going on in our community. So I, I felt like that was the path that I wanted to be on and what I wanted to do and make an impact in our, our community through that. And at the same time, make a name for myself. Now, um, on that journey, after finishing my graduate degree, my wife and I were attending a church in town called Palm Coast Community Church. The leadership at Palm Coast Community Church came and asked me to come on staff to lead their small group ministry. Now, for me, that was a little bit of a problem because that involved working at a church. Again, something I didn't want to do. And so through a course of, of many conversations uh, with God, with my wife, with other people, uh, I, I began to see, and I was very interested about this, so my, my background in counseling, my, my uh, experience as a Christ follower, I would read in the Bible where there's so many one another verses where God says, love each other, forgive each other, share each other's burdens, care for each other. And so I'd read that and I'd look around at church world and I'd go like, I don't think we're doing that. Like, I don't think we're living what, what the, God wants us to do in the Bible. And so I was intrigued by that. And I thought, you know, let me give this a shot. Let's just see, what could it be like if, if I use these resources that God has given me, this experience that God has given me, to try to leverage that in the context of a small group ministry within a church. So over 15 years ago, uh, I came on staff at Palm Coast Community Church to be their small group's director, uh, specifically the word director, Okay. Shortly after that, um, some people at the church started using the P word with me. It's like a bad word. They started calling me Pastor Trent. I'm like, whoa, no, no, let me correct you. For, like, I'm just the director. I'm not a pastor. Um, you know, no thanks. Please don't call me that. Like, I, I really don't want to hear that. 
And uh, shortly after that, my pastor, my boss at the time, challenged me to start praying about starting a church. I'm like, you are out of your ever-loving mind. Don't you understand that I'm not even sure I want to work at a church, but I'm convinced that I don't want to start a church. Like, I know that. I know God has spoken about that. And I wasn't really sure about that. That was just what I wanted to say. And so my pastor kept challenging me to start a church. And so I started having these conversations with God. And I felt like over this six-year journey, God kept leading my wife and I to start a church. And I thought, God, you are out of your ever-loving mind. Like, don't you understand? I would never want to start a church. I, I never wanted to start a church, work at a church, be a pastor. Like, don't you get that? And God kept leading us to do that. It made no sense, but I argued with God for a very long time about that, similar to Moses. So let's get back into Moses' story. So um, chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said, Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And I said, God, who am I to start a church? Like, I'm a nobody. That doesn't make any sense. God said to Moses, God said to me, I'll be with you. Now go. In verse 13, Moses protested. He said, but God, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what's his name? And I I won't know what to say. Then what do I tell them? And so I said something similar. I said, God, if I go start this church, somebody's going to ask me a Bible question that I don't have an answer for. What do I say if somebody comes up with this brilliant Bible question and I don't know the answer for? What do I do then? God said, I'll instruct you in what to say. Now go, go and do this. Chapter four, verse one, Moses protested and said, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? I said similarly, like, God, like who's gonna wanna come and listen to a counselor? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. No one's gonna wanna, wanna do that. So what do we do? And God said, listen, I'm gonna do some amazing things that can only be attributed to me. Now go. Chapter four, verse 10. Moses protested again, and he said, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get all tangled. And I said, God, I feel the exact same way. My words get tangled up in my brain before they come out of my mouth, like, especially when I'm standing in front of a large group of people. I want to pass out or throw up, and I'm just convinced. People are going to want to watch that every Sunday. That's going to get old. And God said, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to instruct you in what to say. Now go. So what did Moses do? What did I do? What I always had done, what Moses had had done up to this point, continued to argue with God. And and Moses at this moment took it up a level. So did I. So Moses in verse 13 of chapter 4 says, please, God, please, like I beg you, send anyone else, not just someone else, send anyone else. Just don't send me. And I, I said the same thing to God, like, please, please, just send anybody, anybody but me. At that moment, God gave Moses one consolation. He gave me a consolation as well. So God came to Moses, and he said, Moses, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you take your brother Aaron, all right? So Aaron is a good speaker, He's a good public speaker. So I'm going to speak to you. You're going to speak to Aaron, and Aaron will speak on my behalf. Interesting dynamic right there. We're not going to get into that a whole lot, but um, just think about the idea here. So Moses is not a good speaker. Aaron is. Who did God speak through? Moses. 
He spoke through Moses in that moment to talk to Aaron. So there's this interesting dynamic with that. So if you've ever felt like, I'm not good enough, like, I can't do that. I could never be in that spot. I'm, I, I don't have the skill or the training or the whatever. If you've ever felt that way, that's not true. Again, God can use anyone he wants to use to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Now, for Moses, he had a decision to make. He had a decision to make at that point. Was he going to trust God and step forward and do what God was asking him to do? Or was he going to say, God, like, it's just not possible. I can't do it. Thanks, but no thanks. Send somebody else. And I had a decision to make. What was I going to do? God was asking us to go start this church. Was I going to say, God, no thanks? Or was I going to say, yes, God, I will trust you, even though I don't understand what you're doing, I don't understand why you're asking, but I will trust you and I will step and go in this direction. Here's the bottom line thought for this entire series, okay? So hopefully we'll remember this little statement uh, for the weeks to come and, and even beyond that. The statement is this, the decisions that we make today determine the stories we'll tell tomorrow. So the decisions that we make right now, today, in the situation that we're in, determine what kind of stories we'll tell tomorrow and for eternity. So you think about in Moses' story, Moses could have said like, no thanks, not going to do it, refuse to obey God and, and follow his command. And we wouldn't be reading about Moses today. Or we'd be reading about Moses as the guy who missed the opportunity. He, he should have gone, but he didn't. And there are some sad Bible stories about that. People who, who God came along and said, I want you to do this. And they said, no thanks. And we don't know what the rest of their story is because it's not recorded for us. They, they, they missed an opportunity, but Moses didn't. He didn't miss an opportunity to watch God at work. So with his fear, with all of his excuses, with all of his weaknesses, he stepped forward and said, okay, God, this makes no sense, but I will go and do what you're asking me to do. So if you know the story of God using Moses to free the Israelites from slavery, you know it's an amazing story. So there were millions of Jews that were saved from slavery. They started as one family that moved in, into Egypt, and then at years later, they grow to be millions, several millions, and God freed them. And not only did he free them from slavery, but get the context of this, they walked out of Egypt with the wealth of Egypt. The Egyptians said, just here, take my watch, take my, my ring, my jewelry, you can have it, just leave. And so they walked out of slavery. Talk about a rags to riches story with the wealth of Egypt. And God did some amazing things. He parted the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry ground. He protected them from the Egyptian army that was pursuing after them. So God did some amazing things. If you haven't read that story, I strongly encourage you to do that. You can read it through the book of Exodus. There's chapters in there that you can read about that starting in verse 1. It leads up to about chapter 14. And I've listed that on our spiritual growth challenge. So if you want to read that this week, pick up a copy of that before you leave. You can pick that up at our Connection Center or you can download it from our website website. You can read that story today. I really encourage you to do that. Now, in our story as a, a church, it was September 20th, 2009, and there was myself and my wife and our kids, and there was about 20 other adults, and, and then their kids gathered together, and we started this church called Epic. 
A a church that wanted to be a church for people who don't do church. A a church that wanted to care about the community and the world that God has placed us in so much that we would engage our world. We would step into our world and help people come to find Jesus. And so let me tell you just a few things that God has done over the past six years in the life of our church. We've seen over 350 people put their faith and trust in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. That is one of the the best decisions anyone can ever make. Yeah. You know, know, that applause goes to God and what God can do in those moments. Amazing decision for people to to make a decision and decide, I'm following Jesus. That decision affects the stories we tell tomorrow and the stories we tell for all of eternity. And then we've been able to baptize 153 people. So 153 people said, I'll go public. I'll go public. I'll let the world around me know that I've made a decision to follow Jesus. And at our last baptism, we had kind of the spontaneous baptism for, for you if you were here for it. Um, we brought in a baptistry, a portable baptistry, and I explained what baptism is, what salvation is, and explained the gospel and offered for people to make that decision and then follow that up by, by being baptized. And we knew that two people were going to be baptized that day. We didn't know anybody else. And after that, there were 14 people that said, I'll go public. I'll do that. And it's kind of a spontaneous thing. And people weren't prepared. We had shorts. We had T-shirts. We had towels. We had combs for those of you who need to comb your hair. And we tried to take away all the excuses so people could, could go and do that in that moment. It was amazing. So one guy who got baptized that day, he had been to church, get this, two times in his life. The first time he came to Epic, he put his faith in Jesus. The second time he came to Epic, he got baptized. How amazing is that? And then, then here he is growing. He, he's here, and his family is here, and they're growing in their new relationship. So when I step back and I think about what God has done, what God is doing in the story of Epic, I am amazed. I'm in awe that God would use a goofball like me. And I'm so grateful for the 20 or so other people that said, like, we'll go. We'll do that. And I think most of them said, like, Trent has no idea what he's doing, so I'll go. I'll help him. And I'm so grateful for those people responding and say, I will go with him to do that. Now, let me tell you how we are continuing on with our mission and our strategy in, in this next year and in the years to come. And to do that, I'm going to use our new logo. Okay, I'm going to talk about our new logo that we've come up with and, and how it fits into our story um, so just bear with me for a moment as we make a slight transition here in this conversation. But we've spent a lot of time working on a new logo that I think that, that captures our heartbeat for God and our heartbeat for our community and, and God's heartbeat for us. And almost since the beginning of our church, I've wanted to come up with a new logo because when we started, we needed a logo and I came up with our first one and I'm not a graphic designer. So I was like, I don't know, here, use that. And uh, so since then, I've really wanted us to come up with a new logo again that better captures our heartbeat for our community and our world. And so we've done that. So uh, let me explain some things. When I reveal this new logo to you, let me explain some reactions that you might have here. So there's going to be a group of people, when you see it, your first response is, I hate it. Like that. Who picked that color? Who picked that design? That's just stupid. All right, so if you feel that way, that's okay. You don't have to love our logo to go to Epic. No big deal. It's just a logo, okay? Now, others of you will have this experience. You'll see it and go, that's awesome. Like, who came up with that? That is fantastic. I love it. 
So what I ask you to do is if you feel that way, go sit by someone who hates our logo and tell them you're getting it tattooed tomorrow on your shoulder. You're getting it tattooed. I'm not getting it tattooed. All right, then there's probably a majority of us are going to see the logo and go, well, that's cool or not cool. I don't care. I could care less about a logo. Why you're here is because you want to be involved in a church that is on mission for God. So if that's you, let me explain uh, just one thing. Uh, Our logo is changing. It's a logo upgrade. We're not rebranding our church. Our mission isn't changing. Our strategy isn't changing. Our mission has always been to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, and it always will be that. Our strategy has always been to be a church for people who don't do church. And as long as I'm here, it will remain to be that. So we're going through just a a logo upgrade. Nothing's changing about our mission. I'm going to talk about that in a minute and how our logo fits into our mission. So is everybody ready? Have I built the anticipation enough? Are you excited? If you're not, sit in the back and raise your hand. Somebody who loves a logo will come sit by you. All right, so ready? Here we go. Let's see our new logo. So there it is. For those of you who want to ooh and ah or boo and blah. However you feel about it, there it is. Okay. Now let me explain a few things about our logo and how it fits into our mission as a church. You see a big E coming into that circle. All right, so that represents several things. First, that represents God engaging our world. All right, if you think about it, God could have easily sat in heaven and his throne in heaven and watched our world spin helplessly out of control. He could have said, you know what? Like I gave them one instruction and they couldn't even do that in the garden. Like they blew it. Like all the chaos, all the the sin, all the, the wickedness that's happening in the world, it's their fault, you know, sucks to be them, but I'm not gonna step in and clean that up. That's their job. He could have said that, but God didn't. We learned about that in our Christmas series. So God stepped into our world over 2,000 years ago. God became flesh. He said, I'm here to help rescue you from yourself. I'm here to help fix what you have broken. I'm here to help clean up what you have messed up. So God has engaged our world. And God has asked all of us, if you're a Christ follower, God's asked all of us as church families, he's asked us to engage the world around us the way that God has engaged us. So as a church, that's why we do things like 3G Saturday, 3G Sunday, where we go into our community and we serve our community. We want our community to know that our God is for them, and so are we. That's why we do things like Epic Giving Tree, where I'm so grateful for you. We were able to to serve this Christmas season 47 families and help their Christmas be a little bit better than what it would normally be. It's because of your generosity that happened. That's what God wants us to do. That's why we go on international mission trips, because we want people around the world to know about our great God, that our God is for them, not against them, and we are for them as well. So God wants us to engage the world around us the way that he has engaged us and the way he has engaged our world as well. All right, back to the E. Represents another thing. So that E represents three words that capture one of our deepest values here as a church. Those three words are this. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome. Since the beginning of our church, our doors have always been opened to anyone who wants to come in and learn the teachings of Jesus and how to apply those to their lives. 
It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you've been to church before in your life or not. It doesn't matter if you know a lot about the Bible or not. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your political opinion. It doesn't matter your lifestyle. It doesn't matter if you have hair on your head. None of that matters. When it comes to being welcomed at church, everyone should be welcomed at church. See, I grew up in some church cultures that not everyone was welcome. If you didn't dress a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way, sing a certain way, you weren't welcome at church. And, you know, when you read the Bible and you see how Jesus interacted with people, Jesus invited everyone to be his followers. He invited the religious. He invited the non-religious. He invited those people who thought they were saints. He invited those people who were notorious sinners. And what did the religious people complain about Jesus? They complained that he spent so much time around sinners. They asked his disciples, like, why does your, your teacher, your rabbi, spend so much time around the scum of the earth? And Jesus said, I came for the sick. I came for, for those who are sick and broken and, and messed up and need fixed. So let me ask you this. Does Jesus engaging the mess of people's lives mean that he approves of everyone's political opinion and their lifestyle choices? No, it doesn't. But what Jesus did was he stepped in and he engaged people around him. He loved them. He discipled them towards God's best plan for their lives. And I think that's what God wants all of us to do, individually and corporately as churches. God wants us to engage people around us. And I think churches should be more like hospitals for the sick than social clubs for religious snobs. I think that's what God wants our, our churches to be like. So, so let me ask you this. Does that mean we're going to have to engage the mess of people around us? Yes. Why? Because Jesus did. He engaged my mess. And guess what? Every day he engages my mess. He steps into my world and he helps me. Every day he engages your mess. He steps into your world. And he offers to help you. And so he wants us to step into the world of other people around us who live messy lives. And he wants us to help them learn how to live a life that God has designed them to live. So that's our logo. And that's a few ways that it fits into our mission and our strategy as a church. So whether you love it or, or don't love it, hopefully it'll grow on you. Uh, and here's what I hope. Every time you see that logo, I hope that you'll think three words. Epic, engaging, everyone. Epic, engaging, everyone. And I hope you'll feel this strong pull in your heart that I have to do that as well. That means when I go to work, that means when I'm at home or when I'm at school, I have to engage the mess of people around me. So when you leave today, we've got a, a gift for you. We've got a, uh, a window decal. So we've got this little decal with our new logo on it, and uh, next week we're going to have new signs with all of our logos and new t-shirts and, and all that. So grab one of these on your way out, and if you love it, put it on your car. If you don't like it, put it on somebody else's car. It'll be, it'll be great. Take it to work, stick it on, you know, co-worker's computer. I don't know. Just, you know, stick it somewhere. Just ad advertise. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. Okay. Let me get, get us back into Moses' story and our story. So God came to Moses and he asked Moses to go and free the nation of Israel from slavery. What is God asking you to do? 
I know God is asking all of us to do something. I don't know exactly what God is asking you to do, but God is asking you to do something. So what is it? What's he asking you to do, and what decision will you make today? Again, the, the decision that you make today will determine the story you'll tell tomorrow. So maybe, for some of you, God is asking you to put your faith and trust in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done that before. You've heard about it. You've known about it. You've just never taken that step to do that. If you haven't, I hope that you'll do that today. I can't think of a better day than the first Sunday in January 2016 for you to make that decision. That decision will change your forever and the stories you'll tell for the rest of your life and beyond. And it's based upon a decision, a decision where we say, you know what, I, I, I can't get to heaven on my own. It's because of Jesus and what Jesus has done for me. So I'm, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. Will you be my Lord and Savior? Will you forgive me of my sins? And I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. That's how simple it is to enter a, converse, to enter a conversation or start a conversation, enter a relationship with the creator of the universe. If you've never done that, I hope that you'll do that today. Now, others of you, maybe God is asking you to go back and reconcile a broken relationship or fix something that you've damaged in the past. So in Moses' story, God asked Moses to go back to Egypt, his place of greatest failure, and he didn't want to go there. Maybe God is asking you to go back to someone that you need to, to resolve something with. Maybe God is asking you to go back and take responsibility. Maybe you've blamed you know, the, the circumstances on other people or other things, and maybe God is saying, you know what? You need to take responsibility for that. You need to go back and own it and fix it. Where? Back in that place of failure. So is that you? Is God asking you to go back and do one of those things? Maybe God's asking you to go forgive somebody. Maybe you've been holding on to this bitterness for a long time and, and you, you don't want to let it go. You don't want to let them move on. You feel like your, your anger or your unforgiveness kind of hurts them in some way. Maybe God's saying like, it's time. It's a new year. It's time to, to put that behind you. Go and forgive that person. If God's asking you to do that, will you do that today? Maybe God's asking you to go in one of our international mission trips. Uh, again, Tim said in the announcements, we've got these trips uh, coming this summer, two trips to Guatemala, and it's our opportunity to go and serve the world and let our world know that God is for them, and so are we. So maybe this is the year. You say, you know what, I I'm going. I'm going to go this year. Uh, I'm going to respond to God's command in Scripture that we go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. So maybe this is the year that you do that. Maybe God's asking you to get into a small group. One of the things I didn't tell you about our logo is that circle represents uh, this statement. It represents the statement that life is better in circles instead of rows. Life is so much better in a context of small groups where we can be in relationships where we look into each other's eyes. That's how we grow spiritually. When we're able to sharpen each other and speak truth to each other and hear truth from each other. So if you're not in a small group, if your only experience with Epic is what happens on Sunday morning, you are missing a major part of what it means to grow to be like Jesus. So maybe God's asking you to get into a small group. Starting point, or maybe one of our community groups. I hope that you'll do that. I have no idea what God is asking you to go and do. Only you may know that. So... On your seat, there should be a little card. I encourage you to, to look for that little card for a moment. A little card that says, I decided to go. And I uh, hope you'll grab that, grab a pen, 
And in just a moment, I'm going to close this out in a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a music video that's going to end us today. And what I encourage you to do is prayerfully consider what God is asking you to go and do. And then I encourage you to write that down. Like, put it in print. Make it kind of public. Like, I'm writing this down. God is asking me to go and do this thing. And then what I ask you to do after that is put that card in one of our giving boxes. So you have giving boxes at the back of each seating section. I encourage you just to slip that card in there. And what's going to happen to that card this week, it's going to get to our elders. It's going to get to our prayer team. And we are going to pray for you as you go and do what God is asking you to do. And we need prayer in those moments. I needed tons of prayer when God was asking us to start Epic. Moses needed lots of prayer. We all need lots of prayer when we step out on faith and go and do what God is asking us to do. So we would love to pray for you. If you want us to pray for you by name, put your name on it. If you don't, doesn't matter. You don't have to put your name down. We would love to pray for you card by card in what God is asking you to do. So uh, I'm going to pray, and then while this music video is playing, fill that card out, and then slip that in the, the giving box before you leave. So let's pray together. God, I'm so encouraged by stories like Moses because, Lord, I feel like Parts of his story are my story, where you come along and you asked him to do something significant, and it was something he didn't want to do, and Lord, you've come along, you asked me to do something, I'm like, I don't want to do that. Lord, you you come to all of us, and you ask us to do things that we don't want to do. It's so great to be able to, to identify with somebody in scripture who felt that same way and argued with you about that. And yet, Lord, I'm so grateful for Moses that even with all of his weakness, even with all of his fear, he decided to trust you and take a step in your direction. And I'm so grateful what you've, you've done through his story. It's impacted my story. So, Lord, we can learn from the stories of these amazing Bible characters, and we can learn from the stories of each other as we make decisions to, to follow you. So, Lord, I, I pray that we would make a decision today that would affect the stories we tell tomorrow in a a positive way, and the stories we tell for all of eternity. So Lord, I know you're speaking today in the hearts of our people. You're telling each and every one of us to do something. So Lord, I pray that we would be like Moses, and we would take a step in your direction. We would say, I'll go. I don't understand all of it. I don't know why you want to use me, but I will go, and I will do what you are asking me to do. Empower us as we make those decisions today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what stories will you be able to tell tomorrow because of a decision that you made today? So before you leave, drop those cards off in our giving box, and then on your way out, grab one of our new logo window decals, and uh, if you today have been wrestling with making a decision for Christ, entering a personal relationship with him, or you've got a faith issue, faith struggle that you'd like to talk to someone about. I'll be up front here after the service. I would love to talk with you about that. Or if you're new with us, you're new to our church, and I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'd love to meet you as well. So thanks for being here today, everybody. Have a fantastic Sunday. We'll see you next week. 
Well, good morning and happy new year. We are so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you are a guest with us, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you have any questions about who we are at Epic, we would love for you to stop by our Connection Center right over here. And we would love to meet you and answer any questions that you might have. Well, since it is the beginning of the year, we are about to gear up with our small group environments. And if you are new to Epic or if you are checking out this whole God thing, or you've been here for a while, but just haven't jumped into one of our small group environments, then starting point is the place uh, for you. So starting point is our nine week conversational small group environment where you explore the story of God and find your place in it along with others. And so we will be having an information meeting in two weeks on January 17th after each of the services to let you know more about this environment. It's about 15 minutes long and you'll be able to sign up for a group at that point. Uh, but we would love to know if you're interested in that. So see myself right after the service at our sign-up table and just sign up to let us know that you're interested in potentially jumping into this starting point, or you can sign up online as well. And then in two weeks, uh, we are going to begin a church-wide fast. And if you are unfamiliar with what a fast is, we have uh, put a fasting preparation guide on our website. And we're going to be talking more about that in the next couple weeks. Uh, but basically, uh, a fast is fasting for something. And then what are you going to fast from as well as you put your focus on God during that time? And so there's going to be more information about that uh, soon. And then uh, since it's the beginning of the year, many of us are thinking about what is it that uh, we're going to accomplish this year. And one of the things that would be great is growing closer to God. And I can't think of a better way to do that than going on an international missions trip. And so this summer in July, we're going to be having two mission trips to Guatemala. And if you've never been on a mission trip, uh, we want everyone to go on at least one of those trips uh, in your lifetime. And so we are going to be having an informational meeting on January 24th after each of the services. And if you'd like to find out more about those trips now, you can. You can go on to our website, theepicchurch.com, and begin to look over all the information concerning the mission trips. And then on Friday, January 29th, we are partnering with several churches in the uh, area to put on a men's event at Palm Coast Community Church. And so at 4.30, things are going to kind of open up with a bunch of fun and some cool things to check out. And then the event will begin officially at 6 o'clock with dinner and then some speakers and some breakout sessions. So if you're interested in getting to know the men at Epic, uh, we're going to be having that event on January 29th. It's $25. You can go to our website, Sign up from there. It will take you to the registration site. Uh, but it's going to be a great event to be able to get to know the men here at Epic, along with others in our community as well. And then um, one of the things that we love to do around here is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's your passion, the, the way that you can help us with that is through giving. So if you call Epic your home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or online securely at theepicchurch.com. Now today we are beginning a brand new series and it's called My Message or My Story. And we're going to have an amazing time together in the next several weeks as we go through this series. Uh, but before we begin and uh, before you sit back and enjoy the rest of the service, let's just pray and ask God to speak to our hearts of what he wants uh, to say to us. So let's pray. So Father, uh, we just thank you so much for the start of a new year. So many of us are thinking, what can we accomplish this year? And what is it that could be different? 
And so, Father, I just pray that you'd speak to our hearts during this service and during this series and just say to us what it is that you want us to know. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.